بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتون إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما بجال كثير ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تسألون به والرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطيع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته كيف حالكم سبحان الله أرمبر تايم وموزي المدينة الحمد لله وزيف Sheikh Ubaid, Rahmahullah, and a period had passed when we didn't get to sit with the Sheikh due to him being ill. And Alhamdulillah, we found out that the Sheikh was going to start a book again, Kitab al-Qasam. So the Talab were very excited. It was uh, over the moon, it was a long period. And so we gathered in Masjid Ridwan, Alhamdulillah. Uh, it was coaches, Masjid was packed. And Alhamdulillah, I could just about start to understand Arabic. It wasn't like when I first came from the days of the Mahad. So the Sheikh, I remember he came and uh, he sat down. And then he said, Kif Alhamdulillah, we all responded just how you did. Alhamdulillah. But the Sheikh wasn't happy with the response, so he asked us again, Kifahalukum. Wallahi, we were all so happy. Alhamdulillah, Sheikh, Alhamdulillah, everyone's <laughs> voices were raised. And uh, SubhanAllah, it was one of the best lessons I, uh, I had the pleasure of ever attending in my time in Medina. And the closest that I can describe it to, if anyone's ever been to one of the Sheikh Abu Hakim's lessons, the the vibe and the the end and the, the happiness and like he ran the campfire. Uh, it's the closest I can describe it to being. So inshallah, today's lecture will revolve around the topic of the family. And although there's not one of us that would truly feel like we are doing a great job, the intent is that with this topic it will serve as a reminder for myself first and foremost inshallah. Inshallah, we'll find some benefits from hearing from the Quran and the Sunnah in the speech of the, of the scholars. And our intention, inshallah, is that it will aid our situation with our families to, to be better. We start off, inshallah, with talking about the importance of being the best that we can be to our families. And Ibn Abbas. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال خيركم خيركم لأحده وأنا خيركم لأحدي 
تاليف ابن ماجه شيخ العدان يصير اوثنتيك الخشن تاليبودي هيد يود ميمورايز ذيس حديث الحمد لله ذا فيرست تايم ذا اي ريد ات هاد ميمورايز ذا جيفر بس ذا بيوتي اوف ذيس از ناشن شوت ان شاء الله بعد اند ذيس ليسن ان شاء الله وي ويل ميمورايز ذيس حديث and act upon it where it says خيركم خيركم لأحده so it starts off with خيركم خيركم لأحده وأنا خيركم لأحده so خيركم خيركم لأحده وأنا خيركم لأحده the best of you are those who are best to their families and I am the best of you to my family Sheikh Fahmeen, he says in regards to this hadith, we are the Salihin. Because those who are the closest, because those who are closest to you are most deserving that goodness is being enjoined upon them. If, there any, if there's anything with you from good, then your families, my brothers and sisters, are the most deserving to benefit from this. And this is in opposition of what we find today, Shaykh Al-Faymin, he says, Allah Musta'an. He said, this is what we, in opposition of what we find today. You will find they have the worst mannerisms with their families and the best mannerisms with other than them. And this is a detrimental mistake, the Shaykh says. Your families are the most deserving of your good treatment. Why, my brothers and sisters, Listen to what the Sheikh says next. Because they are with you night and day, in private and public. If you're afflicted with something, they are afflicted with it too. And if you're happy, they share that with you. And if you're sad, they share that with you also. And for this reason, your dealings with them should be better than your dealings with those who are not your family. Subhanallah, this is something that is that is true. Uh, I remember when I'm on the journey with my my teacher, my beloved friend, and I like to remind him that I've been married uh, for for 11 years. He's much older than me. I say, Alhamdulillah, I've been married for 11 years now. And he always laughs at me, and he goes, Ustad, you're still in your honeymoon period. <laughs> so as, uh, as I said these are heavy topics to talk about But from the benefit of what Sheikh Uthameen said It's true that we do see that a lot And sometimes even ourselves we fall short of this That maybe our charity is better to those that are not our family To our own family Or our, our given our time Sometimes you know if a brother asks or a sister asks you for your time You're quick to do it but if your family asks you for something, maybe you find it difficult, or you find it restricted, or you find yourself getting frustrated. So the benefit of this, my brothers and sisters, when we hear these words and we hear these hadith, is that we act upon them, and we reflect upon them, and we ponder upon them. Is that short come with me? And no doubt, as the Sheikh says, this is only something that we find. We find with our brothers and sisters that sometimes we are better to those outside our family than we are to our own. خيركم خيركم لأهله 
The best of you are those who are best to their families. The Prophet Muhammad said, I'm the best of you to my family. So my brothers, next time, inshallah, that you're going to pitmaster, inshallah. You'll be taking your families with you, inshallah, yeah? Uh, go to the brothers, out with the brothers, pitmasters, and uh, bring your wives some PFC, some perfect fried chicken or something like that. Uh, the best of you are those who are best to your families. Uh, so we try to have good treatment of them. After observing one of the elder brother's family doing well, Allah Mubarak, back in Burma, I asked him, what is the secret? And I could see Allah Mubarak, mashallah, his family, his kids, memorize the Quran, and you know, so I was trying to know, what was the secret? What did you do? So he replied, I advise you what I was advised with. And he said, Dua. All my brothers and sisters, how are we in regards to turning to Allah and making dua for our families in those times between the Adhan and the Iqam, in our prostration, in the last third of the night, with the descending of the rain, whilst traveling? Because my brothers and sisters, we must ponder and know that guidance of Allah is within. And we must reflect on the importance of this affair of making supplication for our families. So he said, There is nothing more honorable with Allah than supplications. He's mentioned in Timothy, the Hadith is Sahih. So dua is from the greatest acts of worship with Allah. And this is because of what appears from the deficiency of the caller. The one who's calling upon Allah, the deficiency that's with him. That he is in need, that he's there lowering himself in humility. That he acknowledges that he's in a state of a loss without the might of Allah. That Allah, he is the all-able, the all-rich, the free from need. That he enriches and that he's the one that dismantles the plots of his enemies. Shaykh Islam, he said, he said that dua is the key to all good. Subhanallah. That dua is the key to all good. Our life sounds so simple, but this affair of really, really being yani, diligent with this affair. You know, not just when the affliction crops up or not just when the event comes up, but having that consistency in having that dua for our families is something that we ask Allah to aid us upon and to truly reflect on how important it is. So no doubt, my brothers and sisters, that if, if it be in regards to our families' um, well-being or other than that, um, the key to success is returning to Al-Mujib, who is the responsive. It's narrated by Abu Huraira that he said, I took the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he went to the markets of Medina. He left the market and so did I. Then he asked three times, where is the small child? Then he called, then he said, Kul al-Hassan ibn Ali. 
So Al Hassan ibn Ali got up and started walking towards him. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he stretched out his hands. And Al Hassan did the same. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam embraced him and said, This is the point, this is the shahid. Oh Allah, I love him. So please love him. And love those who love him. Abu Huraira, he said, Since Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that, nothing has been dearer to me than Al Hassan. Hadith from Bukhari. The Prophet, he also made dua sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for Ibn Abbas. He said, Allahumma fakhihu fiddin wa allimhu at-ta'weeb. He said, Oh Allah, grant him understanding of the religion and teach him the interpretation of the, of the Quran. Hadith from Bukhari and Muslim. It's also narrated that Anas, that he said that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he supplicated for him. And he said, Oh Allah, give him property and children and blessing. Anas then said, Later on, he said, I am one of the richest among the Ansar. And my daughter Umaynah told me that when Al-Hajjaj came to Basra, more than 120 of my offspring had been buried. Hadith of Bukhari. So my brothers and sisters, inshallah, we can see the importance of making dua for our offspring, for ourselves and our children, for their prosperity in this world and the next but verily the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is what he did. He made dua for his relatives. He made dua for the young ones that were around him. And so it's important that we are consistent upon this affair. Especially when it comes to sometimes we will see somebody that might be a bit, you know, he's not on the straight path. And so we should make dua for this person. And we dua for our brothers and sisters in their absence, in their presence. The importance of being good role models. Many of our actions are learned from those whom we are around. What we say, or what we do, or what we, not, or what we don't do. So it is vital that we are setting a good example. And that our faults are not passed down. You'll find if a person always turns up late to places... This is something that will be inherited. Right? If you're a person that's always late, always running late, then more than likely this is something that's going to be inherited by your children. And if a person is generous on the other hand, you'll find that his children will also take on similar qualities. This is something that is found. You'll find that if a person is a businessman, generally you'll find his children have this inclination to go on towards business. You'll find from an early age of your praying, you'll find you know, that the, the, the young ones, as early as you, two, three, as long as they can stand, are praying as well. You find that the youth, they follow the parent in what they are, in what they are doing. So it's important, this being a good role model. Allah, He says in the Quran, where Allah, he says in the Quran, Do you owe the righteousness of the people and forget yourselves while you recite the scripture? Then will you not reason? Where Allah, he says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, bima tukuluna ma la ta'falun. 
كبر مقتن عند الله أن تقولوا ماذا تفعلون والله he says in the Quran oh you who believe why do you say that which you do not do most hateful it is with Allah that you say that which you do not do and Allah he says in the Quran قال يا قوم أرأيتم إن كنتم على بينات من ربي ورزقني منه رزقا حسنا وما أريد أن أخالفكم إلى ما إلى إلى ما أنهاكم عنه إن أريد إلا الإسلاح ما استتعتم وما توفيكي إلا بالله عليه توقعت وإليه أنيب والله سيدنا القرآن when Shu'aib he addressed these people and he said, Oh my people, tell me if I have a clear evidence from my Lord and he has given me a good sustenance from himself, shall I corrupt it by mixing it with unlawful earned money? I wish not, in contradiction to you, to do that which I forbid you. This is the point. I wish not, in contradiction to you, to do that which I have been forbidden from. Or I forbid you from doing. I only desire reform so far as I am able to the best of my power. And my guidance cannot come except from Allah. In Him I trust and unto Him I repent. The great scholar Shankinti, he said in his tafsir that Allah, he mentions in this verse about his prophet Shu'aib, that he told his people whenever he forbids something from something, he should forbid himself from it. And that if he commands with something, he should not oppose that which he said. We can understand from this verse, my brothers and sisters, as the Sheikh says, that it's a must that we do not do what which we are forbidden others with. And that we command others whilst we ourselves are not doing it, especially our children. That we are setting an example with our speech and actions. As children learn from us, if they see obedience to Allah and our daughters see their mothers obedient to their husbands and our sons see their fathers having good treatment of their mothers they grow up seeing us in their lessons reading Quran seeing us speaking good and keeping good companions they inshallah will replicate this and it is important that we are aware of our speech and our actions and we do not oppose them as it will be noticed and could be inherited from our offspring Subhanallah, you will find this affair with, with children often. That they have a, a, a they're very good at, at, at reading into things and seeing silent approval. They understand silent approval very well. And you kept quiet about something. That must be allowed. They should keep quiet. And they got super memories as well. Subhanallah, anyone knows that? They got super memories. And you said to me, and you, this day that I could, I could have this or I could have... And you can't remember for your life, what's he talking about? No, it was that day, it happened before this and after that. and Very precise. So they hold on to these memories growing up. And we can take that from this, from this verse. We continue on and we say the importance of being in good companionship. And teaching our children who are good companions for them. So keeping in good companionships. We can't encourage our children and ourselves first and foremost of being in good companionships. As it is mentioned by the scholars, a sahib, sahib, that the friend pulls. 
And that's because the friends in reality they call one another. The Messenger وسلم, he narrated from Abu Musa the hadith where he said, Mathalajalis Asali Aso Kahamil Misk Wanafiqul Khir Fahamil Misk Imma an Yuhdiata Wa Imma and Tabata Minhu Wa Imma and Tajida Minhu Rihan Tuyibah Wanafiqul Khir Imma an Yuhrik Diabata and that famous hadith where it mentions the example of a good, pious companion and an evil one is that of a person carrying musk, a perfume, and another, a blacksmith. The one who's carrying musk, the perfume, will either give you some of his perfume as a present or will buy some for him, or you will get a good smell from him. But the one who is a blacksmith will either burn your clothes or you'll get a bad smell from him. Believe in Bukhari and Muslim. And we have this other famous narration that many of you already know from Abu Hurairah, where he said that the Prophet Muhammad he said, and The Prophet Muhammad he said, A man follows the religion of his friends. So each one should consider whom he makes his friend. My brothers and sisters, subhanallah, anybody that has grown up in these lands will know the affair sometimes that you may come from a good home, but the moment that you just met that one friend, he just started to really just open up some doors that is aive, it goes against everything you ever learnt at home with the good efforts of our parents and sometimes it was just that one friend at school that they started to show a person a way other than what he should be upon and so this affair of keeping our children close and building that connection so that, they, that, so that later on you can do the correction this is something that you will see from the Sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, as we keep on reading. That he built, he built strong connections. Whether it be with Anas ibn Malik, عن, whether it be with Abdullah ibn Umar, whether it be with Abdullah ibn Abbas. And you will see the narrations that he had a strong connection with them. And it's important of having strong connections with our children so they feel comfortable coming back to us. They feel comfortable telling you their mistakes and they don't go to somebody outside of the house. We're going to take some lessons, inshallah, from the life of Abdullah ibn Umar. And here is Abu Abdul Rahman, Abdullah ibn Umar. One of the scholars known for his knowledge and worship. He accepted Islam whilst being young with his father Umar. The first battle he was able to participate in was the Battle of Khandaq, due to being young prior to that. It was said about him that he was a vessel of knowledge. And Imam Malik, he said that he remained after the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, 60 years. The people would come to him to seek knowledge and he was extremely careful in his issuing verdicts in regards to himself 
and what he was doing. He had a great concern and diligence in narrations of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, and acting upon it. He narrated roughly 2,630 hadith. I was from the Mukathirin, those that narrated the most hadith from the companions. And one of the hadith that I want to share with you is the famous hadith. What I really want is for us to ponder on the benefits that we can take on this hadith for our own souls and our own family. It was narrated by Ibn Umar that whilst we were with the Messenger of Allah, he said, Tell me of a tree which resembles a Muslim. Its leaves do not fall. And he said three times, It does not. It does not, it does not bear its fruits all the time. It came to my mind that such a tree must be the date palm. This is what Abdullah ibn Umar said. It came to my mind that such a tree must be the date palm. But seeing Abu Bakr and Umar saying nothing, I dislike to speak. So when they did not say anything, Allah's Messenger وسلم, he said, it's the date palm tree. When we got up from that place, I said to Umar, Oh my father, by Allah, it came to my mind that it must be the date palm tree. Umar said, What prevented you from speaking? I replied, I did not see this carefully, I did not see you speaking. So I dislike to speak or say anything. Umar then said, if you had said it, it would have been more dearer to me than so and so. Later where someone else said red camels. The hadith is in Bukhari. Sheikh Rabia, he said in his work, Marhaban Ya Talib al-Ilm, I want us to benefit from the Sheikh's words. What I'm about to say next, I want you to benefit from the Sheikh's words and try and cultivate our children upon these mannerisms. The Sheikh, he said, Look how he was being asked for the answer. And he had it with him. But he looked at the gathering. He looked at the, at the gathering. And he saw Abu Bakr and Umar. And people from the senior companions. Greater than him in age. And so he was shy and displayed good manners, my brothers and sisters. He didn't say a word. Look at his shyness and his excellent manners. So Ibn Umar was in the circles of knowledge. Something to see, he's in the circles of knowledge. And that he was somebody that he done took him to the lessons. And he was amongst the senior companions. He was paying attention. Look at the conversation that took place between father and son about the lesson. After the lesson had finished, they stood up. Look at Umar teaching his son what earns his pleasure, what is pleasing to him. The Sheikh, after making a similar example, another narration, he mentioned another narration about another companion that didn't want to speak. He was young in the gathering. He did not want to speak in front of the elders. He did not want to speak in front of the elders. And then he says, By Allah, Sheikh Rabi, he says, By Allah, this is manners and knowledge. It needs that it be sought with knowledge. This knowledge, it needs that it be sought with manners. Then Sheikh Rabi, he said, some heavy words. He said, Abdullah ibn Mubarak, he said, 
Whoever belittles or make light of the scholars, his religion will go. So we cultivate our children to know the weight of the scholars and to long to travel to see them, having love for the people of knowledge, wanting to benefit from them and come to the lessons, seeking knowledge of the religion, seeking the elders in the gathering, or seeing, sorry, seeing the elders in the gathering and learning from their manners. Seeing how important seeking knowledge is. Because it'll rub off. If you see Falan in the gathering and Falan in the gathering. You go to Birmingham and you see your teachers in the gathering. Or you go to Medina and you see your Mashaykh in the gathering sitting. Like when we used to sit with Sheikh Abdullah Bukhari. And then you see Sheikh Arafat sitting there. You see Sheikh Always uh, uh, Wheel sitting there. So when you see your teachers sitting in the, the gatherings of the of 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 the mashaykh of the scholars it holds even more weight to you and know that it holds even more weight to your to your to your to your children and the young ones that see all these people everyone's here gathered around this scholar everyone's following him after the lesson so it holds this weight and it shows them what is important that what is important isn't this footballer isn't this person isn't, this is what is important these are the people that have been raised because they are the inheritors of the prophets. And so, we continue on. Where he says. Sheikh Zaid, he says. We are in urgent need of this knowledge. More than what our bodies require. From being fed. And, 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 and our drinks that we. Our bodies are, are, are after. We are more in need of this knowledge than that. Sheikh Huthaymin, he says, based upon this hadith, that having respect for the elders from the completeness of mannerisms, that you respect those who are older than you, but we must also bear in mind that Umar loved that his son had spoken. So upon this we know that respect for the elders, it has its place. If it is regarding knowledge, then keep quiet. But whenever you find the elders are not talking, it's better that you speak and there's no problem in that. Like here in the hadith, when the elders did not know the answer. The next hadith that I bring to your attention again from the life of uh, Abdullah ibn Umar. Before I, 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 I say it, خيركم, خيركم The best of you are those who are best to their family, and I am best of you to my family. خيركم خيركم لأحليه وأنا خيركم لأحليه Inshallah we all memorize this hadith and atone before we leave Inshallah Hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah Khala akhada Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi man kibayh Khala khum fi dunya ka'annaka barib wa abir wa sabib Thani ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah Ibn Umar he said that the messenger of Allah وسلم, he took me by the shoulder and said be in this world as though you are a wayfarer or a traveller and Ibn Umar, he used to say, after this, 
at the evening do not expect that you will live to the morning and at the morning do not expect that you will live to the evening take from your health for your illness and from your life for your death related by al-bukhari or narrated or, or collected by al-bukhari subhanallah these hadith brothers will know they are in Nawi, they're in the 40 hadith collection and within themselves they're a whole lesson so many of these hadith that we're narrating so far they're a whole lesson within themselves but alhamdulillah you can extract a lot of benefits from these hadith like Sheikh Fuzan, he said that he held on to his shoulders onto his shoulder to make him pay attention to what he was about to say so brothers and sisters, pay attention to the relationship between the Messenger of Allah and Abdullah. Sheikh Fuzan, he said, and this was from the humility and the eagerness to advise. So we can take from this that when we are advising our children to follow the same steps, that we hold them on their shoulder. Sheikh Fuzan, he goes on, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he said, be in this world as if you are a stranger or a traveler, or a wafer or a traveler. Sheikh Fuzan, he said, do not overly enjoy yourself in this worldly life. And do not be consumed and busy with it instead of your hereafter. And this is a great benefit that we can take. That we need to prepare our children and our youth to see this world for what it is. And to have this longing for the hereafter. As a female student, she recently asked, she said, Will I have to wear my hijab in Jannah? A young girl, she said this. Would I have to wear my hijab in, in, in Jannah? And this is a good question. Someone that is thinking about her, her akhirah. And this is how we want our children to be. To be thinking, how is it going to be in Jannah? So this is how we must see this world. And it will rub off on our, on our children. Understanding that we must prepare to return to our Lord. And it's explain to them that their final abode. And that is their final abode. Because the Sheikh Fuzan, he mentioned... That this worldly life is not our home. Rather the home of the Muslims is Jannah. So we are only here to work for, for Jannah. So we take what we need from the dunya. All to aid us in our preparation for our hereafter to get into Jannah. So from the observation that I took from this hadith myself brothers. Is that the companions have the best understanding of the narrations. Because subhanAllah, how Abdullah ibn Umar, he understood the hadith and acted upon it straight away. And how we, and I say, sorry, not even me, myself, I say, how I need the scholars sometimes to write volumes to understand and to extract all of the benefits from the hadith properly. So when you go back to the explanation, you see benefit number one, benefit number two, and you're seeing things that would never have come across your mind. And this is the way that you understand that subhanAllah, the, the understanding of the self and the understanding of the scholars is something that is tremendous. And so it's imperative that we must go back to the understanding of the self and cultivate our children upon this. Cultivate them upon acting upon what they hear. Saying, Ya Ibni, Ya Bindi. Be like Ibn Omar when he was told, be in this world as if though you were a stranger or a traveller. Shepuzan, he said, when he heard this advice from the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, pay attention, when he heard this, he would turn to the people and say to everyone, at the evening, do not expect to live till the morning. And at the morning, do not expect to live till the evening. Take from your health for your illness 
and from your life or your death. He would act straight away and advise others. Look at the effect, the advice it had on him. My brothers and sisters, the last narration that I will mention in regards to the life of Abdullah ibn Umar it's narrated on the authority of Yahya ibn Ya'ma that the first man who discussed the divine decree in Basra was Ma'bad al-Juhani. And he said, I, along with Humayd ibn Abdul Rahman, set out for pilgrimage for Umrah and said, If we met anyone from the companions of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we shall ask him about the divine decree. So we came across Abdullah ibn Umar while he was entering the masjid, while he was entering the mosque. My companion and I surrounded him. One of us stood on the right and the other on his left. I expected that my companions would let me speak. I therefore said, Abba Abdul Rahman, there have appeared some people in our land who recite the Quran and pursue, huh? and they pursue knowledge. They claim that there is no such thing as the divine decree and that events are not predestined. He Abdullah ibn Umar, he said, when you meet them, tell them I am free from them and they are free from me. Abdullah ibn Umar swore by Allah and he said, if any one of them who does not believe in this divine decree had with him gold equal to the bulk of the mountain Uhud, and spent it in the way of Allah, Allah will not accept it unless he affirmed his faith in the divine decree. He further said, My father Umar ibn Khattab, he told me, one day we were sitting in the company of Allah's messenger وسلم, when there appeared before us a man dressed in pure white clothes and his hair extraordinarily black. And there were no signs of travel on him. And the hadith goes on, as we all know, to mention the hadith of Jibril. My brothers and sisters, why I chose this hadith in mentioning the life of Umar, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar, anhuma, was because uh, Sheikh Ali ibn Adam, he mentioned, yani, there's many benefits that could be taken from this. For example, the mannerisms of the group. And how they were walking with those who hold the virtue. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد
Inshallah, I think it's the last point, Inshallah. And then we'll establish the prayer, Inshallah. Inshallah, don't forget the dua between the Adani and Qawma, huh? Yeah. Allah bless our children, Inshallah. Bless them too. Keep our family firm in this world and the next, Inshallah. Right. In continuation. After mentioning this hadith, pay attention to the cultivation of Abdullah ibn Umar. Pay attention to how he was in those gatherings and those circles, having the answer and the conversations with his father after the lesson about the date palm tree. And now look at the situation of this hadith. Sheikh Ali ibn Adil, he says, he freed himself from the people of innovation and disobedience. Look at his life, look at his manhaj in regards to Ahlul Bidah. Look at his foundation in terms of Aqeedah, the Hadith of Jibril. This goes to show the cultivation of Abdullah ibn Umar and how now he's dealing with, and he's from the senior scholars and he's reached the age now where he's now dealing with the, the Qadariya. And likewise we find a similar thing, if you go back there's a nice book in Salafi bookstore. It mentions the child companions that were around the Prophet Muhammad It's a beautiful book for children. And if you look at the cultivation of Abdullah ibn Umar, and you look at the cultivation before as, we, as um, a hadith will come later on where it talks about Abdullah ibn Abbas and that him being a, um, behind him and uh, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa giving him advice and then you look at the, the relationship of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Anas ibn Malik and the narrations that we know about Anas ibn Malik so Abdullah ibn Umar we find him refuting the Qadariya and we find Abdullah ibn Abbas refuting who? the Khwarij then we find Anas ibn Malik in the time of Hajjaj. He was an oppressive ruler. And so the point why I mentioned this hadith is because there will come a time and there may come a time when our children will not be children anymore. And we can see around us how difficult things are at the moment and how quickly things change. So for example, the things that, and I'm not that old, mid-30s, the things that I see the children having to deal with today, I did not have to deal with when I was in primary school. These were not things that were coming to my mind or anyone was bringing to my mind. Yet we can see the environment that they are in. And we can see that how will things be for them in the next 10, 20 years. 
So that preparation and that cultivating them and then bringing them to the masajid, the Salafi masajid, and cultivating them and grounding them upon aqidah, upon the understanding of the Salaf, is something that is important. Because now look, at the time of the Prophet, at the time when these lot, these companions, may Allah be pleased with them, were children, there was no innovation. There was no innovation in their time. There was no Qadari and the Khawarij and Hajjaj. This came afterwards. So this importance of grounding our children and teaching them the Islam. Because Abdullah ibn Umar, he said in the Hadith, my father Umar ibn al-Khattab told me, and then he mentioned the Hadith of Jibril. Who told him the Hadith of Jibril? His father. And so this teaching our children is something that is something that is important. From the other books that are important that I have, I have benefited in regards to uh, teaching my children and other students is the My First Islamic Studies book by Marcus Mu'ad ibn Jabal, which is a nice beautiful book in teaching, teaching children. And also there's a new book that's recently come out, which is called The Precious Jewels in Establishing the Foundation for the Beginners. Under the supervision of Sheikh Khalid, the Fili. Um, and it's another beautiful book, especially for um, primary school age. These books are, are beautiful in the sense that it's like a whole Islamic curriculum. Just laid out, ready for you to just teach. And this is a community with a big homeschooling community. The majority of you, I wouldn't be surprised if you really had these books. But that importance of having these Islamic books in our households in a time where everyone's being pushed to be more academic so we find a lot of Enid Blyton books and all these other books in the hope that our children become proficient readers in the English language so the importance of having these good Islamic studies books in our households uh, we'll start for this Continuing for another five or ten minutes, inshallah. Something that is nice um, to go through with your with your family members, or I found pleasure in going through with with mine, was um, two weeks ago in the lesson of uh, Sheikh Abu Khadija. He mentioned about the importance of us knowing the mothers of the believers. He mentioned about the importance of us knowing the mothers of the believers, and um, I was in the daughter, I was in the lesson with my with my daughter, and um, Alhamdulillah, we went through the names afterwards, and I just mentioned it because sometimes these things are are things that we can do but we might not do, and Sheikh Abu Khadija, may Allah reward him, he mentioned a nice simple way that we could memorize it and so he mentioned that you start off with the the three famous names that majority of the muslims know that is khadija and aisha and hafsa and then afterwards he mentioned that you have after that the two zainabs the two the two zainabs 
Then after that he mentioned that you have the two, the two S's. Then he mentioned after that that you have the two, the two Ums. And then after that all you have to remember is Juwaria and Maimuna to make 11. So I found that a very nice, simple and beneficial way to memorize it. So I'll say it again, that is Khadija, Aisha and Hafsa. Then you have the two Zainabs, the two Ums, who was Um Habiba and Um Salama. Then you have the two, that's Um Habiba and Um Salama. And then you have the two S's, who is Sophia and Soda. But he said two S's, which was a very nice, simple way to remember. Two Zainabs, two S's, and two Ums. And then after that, he mentioned this, Juwaria and Maimuna. Juwaria and Maimuna. So alhamdulillah, it was very nice. I asked my daughter, did she remember any of them when we got home? She said she remembered. Maybe about maybe eight, nine. And then he kind of spurred the rest of my children to start trying to say them. And so it's something, these things, subhanAllah, they're, they're simple. What I say first and foremost, sometimes things we don't do. And there's great benefit in it, as the Sheikh was mentioning. Because sometimes, uh, I say now that sometimes our kids' heads are filled up with things that are not relevant. But as for knowing our mother's the mothers of the believers, and maybe we don't know them. So there's Aisha, Khadija, and Hafsa, two Zainabs, two Ums, and two S's, and then Juwaliya, and Maimuna. So inshallah, there's something also that we can all try our best to, to, to go through with our families at home, and try and make sure that they, that they know the, the names of the mothers of the believers. Um... Some other things that we'll go through as well is some speech of, of Ibn Qayyim where he said that whoever neglects teaching his child that which will benefit him and leaves him to fail neglected then he has wronged his child in the utmost way the sheikh he goes on to say majority of the children majority of the children who become corrupted it is due to the father and them being negligent regarding them and leaving off teaching them the obligations and the sunnah of the religion. And he was mentioned in Sheikh Hussein, he mentioned some less in speech of Nullah Adab where he said, I don't think that there is anyone who fears Allah regarding his children and transverses upon the way of the Sharia in directing and guiding them except that Allah will guide will guide his children. Except that Allah will, will guide his children.
Some other speech that I will make mention of is the importance of giving your child a good name. It was narrated by Abu Darda that he says, Indukum to the only Yoman Kiyama, the Asma Ikum, Asma Iaba Ikum, but Asinu Asma Akum. The Prophet Muhammad said on the day of resurrection you'll be called by the names, by your names and by your names, your father's names. So give yourselves good names. The hadith is in Sunnah Abu Dawood, but the hadith is weak. And is weak due to his chain not being connected, as Abu Dawood mentioned. And others like Sheikh Alabani and Sheikh Abdul Muslim. Yeah, we'll listen to some of the words of Sheikh Abdul Muslim in regard. And that's why I brought the hadith, although it's weak. I brought it due to the to the speech of Sheikh Abdul Muslim, where he said, This is an address to the fathers, with that they are choosing good names for their children. And this is due to a child's name coming from the father, the father chooses it, and they are not able to choose their names themselves, as in the children. Then they are raised and brought up on this name. The Sheikh, he explains why the hadith is, deep, is, is weak, then says, but there is a no doubt that selecting a good name is an, is an affair that is, that is required. It goes on um, in another narration where he said, the most beloved names to Allah are Abdullah and Abdurrahman. And Abdurrahman. It's an authentic hadith. Sheikh bin Baz, he starts to mention something nice about the cultivation of the children and the way the Salaf cultivated their children. He said, about the Salaf and their cultivation of their children, the Ibrahim and Na'i, he said that they used to discipline us when we would take oaths and we were small. Sheikh bin Baz, Abdulaziz bin Baz, he said, the Salaf, they used to discipline and punish their children whenever they would make oaths. So that they would, so, so they would take a covenant by Allah. So this is what they'll do, they'll take a covenant by Allah or swear by Allah. And this is something that you see from children a lot. That over very small things, Wallahi billahi ta'ali uqsum billah. Yani you find them often with ease just yani using this type of um, oaths. So Shabin Bazi said they would be disciplined so that it did not become normal and habitual. Something that they did as a habit when they were older. Until it became an easier fear taking false oaths and oppressive covenants and rejected testifications. So they would be disciplined and correctly directed. Uh, 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 so they would be disciplined and correctly direct them until they didn't speak with this except with insight. Because whenever the child becomes accustomed to something, when they are small, then it, be, then it is possible this becomes light and easy affair to them when they become older. The Sheikh goes on to mention how this shows the concern of the Salaf they gave to cultivating their children. Also from the advice of Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Baz was that he says when in regards to discipline of the children is that you do not curse your children. You do not use statements like old donkey, old dog. And I think this is because the reason why he said this is because in Saudi, in Saudi, if anyone's been, 
Hey, these are the, like, the worst of the insults of the Saudi to one another. To call someone a kalubah, himala, yani, this is... It's not necessarily what we would... You would hear really in the in the UK. But nevertheless, there will be some curses that maybe our parents might say. For example, that's you fool. You idiot. And some other speech that, yani, it's not tayyib, it's not good. So it says, rather address them with words... That are kind. The Sheikh actually mentioned some wording of effect of O oppressor to yourself, O enemy to yourself, O wrongdoer to yourself. He mentioned some words like this as a way of you know, directing the child in terms of in times of discipline. Um, so yeah, that was a, a benefit that I took. Um the hadith that we mentioned at the beginning, Khairukum Khairukum the Ahlihi, Wa'ala Khairukum the Ahli. Did anyone memorize it throughout the throughout the lesson? Did anyone anyone catch it? Huh? Um, this hadith is a nice hadith, even if we mention it in English. Because something that you also find amongst children. It's not just adults as well. You find amongst children that when it comes to their siblings, sometimes they're very horrible. Yeah, When it comes to siblings, sometimes they're very horrible. I mean, they might fight them or hurt them or something or not want to share with them. And then when you find them outside of the house, they're lovely to other people. Yeah? <laughs> I can see in some people's faces, they've experienced this as well. So this reminding your child of being best to your family yeah, the best of you are those that are best to their families. It's something that's good. Another hadith that is very good to mention to our children and a way of correcting them upon upon um, using the Quran and the Sunnah is generally a lot of the hadith that come in Arabic, you know, the 40 hadith are very good. And it's very good to get your children to memorize them from an early age. So for example, you could say to your child, um, then he speak good or keep quiet. Another nice hadith that you can address your children with in terms of um, in terms of their times where they're, they're, they're misbehaving. Um, if you truly believe into your love for your brother, what you love for yourself, would you like that to happen to you? Would you like someone to do that to you? Another hadith. This culture that sometimes you see with children using the word snitch. Yeah? You see this word that comes from children nowadays. You're snitching, you're grasping, you snitch. When actually we want to cultivate our children upon the Prophet Muhammad he said, whoever amongst you sees an evil, let him change it with his hand. And if he's not able to, then let him change it with his tongue. And if he's not able to, then hate it in his heart. And that's the weakest of faith. So if someone sees something that is wrong, a munka, then they should do what? Use their tongue if they're able to. And this is not something that is dispraiseworthy. We shouldn't make people feel dispraiseworthy and like and using words like snitch to make a person not follow the sunnah. The sunnah is if you see something that is evil. They stop with your tongue, and that is from some people going to their adults and going to their, their teacher or going to someone of, of authority. 
And so we need to be careful in this in this as well. Um, another nice hadith that comes in the 40 hadith is the one where it says, um, where it says, Do not get angry. And the Prophet Muhammad when the person said, Oh, see me, advise me, repeat it over and over again. He said, Don't get angry. So when the person sorry, kept on repeating, advising, he said, Don't get angry. Um, it's a nice one to use as well when you see them getting angry with each other with that anger that is not just the natural anger that we possess, but the, the anger and shake of their knees that causes them to go blind and to do things beyond what they should be doing. Um, Another hadith is the one where it says SubhanAllah, I'll look at my head for a second Ya Ibni, help me Leaving that which don't concern you Min husni islami mar'i tawkahu ma'ala ya'nihi Jazakum al-khair Nam. And the hadith where from the goodness of one's Islam is the leave of that which doesn't concern them. This is a nice another hadith, inshallah, that you find with um, with children that they're very uh, nosy yeah? and they like to stick themselves involved in things that have nothing to do with them. Uh, someone will be getting in trouble and they'll come running down the stairs, yeah, and you know what, and add their piece. And so this hadith comes in nice as well sometimes to leave off that which doesn't. Which doesn't concern them. Inshallah, yani, uh, this uh, affair of discussing with our families and, and speaking about the hereafter is something that is nice and something that's important. As it was mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet Muhammad, what he spoke about a person will be able to see, a person will know his house in general, like he knows his house in this world, and he will not need no one to guide him to it. Shaykh Uthaymeen in his explanation of Sahih Bukhari of this hadith he mentioned a nice benefit in the sense that it will be like the baby when he's born not needing help to find himself towards the milk of his mother and so this affair of discussing the hereafter with our families and reminding them of Jannah and so that it becomes a goal and a target for them and for us um, it's something that is uh, Something that we ask Allah as we're well, to aid us upon all of us, upon these affairs of teaching our children the morning and evening at the car, teaching them the mannerisms of when they're eating at the table, um, teaching them what to do when they go to sleep, when they leave the house. The supplications are something that are something that are very important as well for ourselves, for our wives that get very busy at times and may forget. Um, so we ask Allah as we're well, to aid us upon this affair of of raising our children and raising our family upon the way of the Salaf for Salih. And uh, we'll end it here, inshaAllah. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sabbihi ajma'in.